start in our book of Romans again and just share with you in the book of Romans. Can somebody tell me what Paul's emphasis was for writing this, this, this uh, epistle? Can you tell me, you, does anybody remember what we've said, why he was writing to the Christians in Rome? So they may grow well, that they may grow pro uh, properly. They were living in a time when uh, things were really doing, going well in the, in the, the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire was doing well. Everybody was doing well. They were flourishing. But it wasn't enough just to flourish. They wanted them to grow properly. And you and I have this challenge as well. So I believe that is one of the reasons the Lord just put it on my heart to teach uh, this book of Romans. And uh, I want us to uh, just maybe put our seatbelts on and, and just look at some things that the Lord wants to show us in Romans chapter 13. And so it's a subject that can be very sensitive, but I think if we handle it skillfully, it should not hurt too badly. And I, I always like to give the example of when I had my double knee surgery, replacement surgery, double knee replacement surgery, that surgeon did hurt me, but he sure helped me. And all hurt isn't bad. It's, all, it's not a fatal thing. So let's talk about Romans 13. It's a needed subject. Uh, Romans 13, verse 1, Paul says, let every soul, every person, be subject to the governing authorities. Let every soul, every believer, be subject to the governing authorities. That is to place yourself under them in an orderly way. For there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. This can be, if we were speaking philosophically, this could be a real problem starting out. Because when you say, for there is no authority except from God, we get it. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Wow, we don't always get that. And so we're going to we're going to explore this, and um, I love the way this reads. He says, "Therefore," so Paul says, as a result of what? When he says, "Therefore," what is that? What is it? Therefore, what is what is the because here? He says, firstly, you must be subject to the governing authorities. That means that when a, a, a governmental authority comes, then you're not to bow up at them. All right, all right. For there is no authority except from God. So everybody who is in a position, God has either said, I want you there, or he has allowed it to be there, therefore God is in control. And he says here, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God, therefore whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. You, everybody who resists them resists the ordinance of God. And so he's teaching uh, the Roman Christians how to comport themselves, how to walk out their Christianity. Do you know that so many of us, all of us, really need instructions as to how we should walk out our Christianity? So often we have been taught a gospel that says that uh, everything is going to be all right now. You're saved now, and so you're going to be a spoiled kid in the house of God for the rest of your life, never going to endure any pain, never have a, a knee scraped. You know, it's going to be all right. And if anything happens to you, you're not, you don't have enough faith. Faith is not for suffering avoidance or suffering evasion. It's not for that. It's to help us also go through things. 
And so I, I want you to know that I've learned to go through some things uh, this last year that I don't know if I were able to go through with them two years ago. Not well. Oh, you get through, but not well. A lot of people say, well, well that's not my, my case. Yeah, yeah, but, but you're looking uh, at, in the mirror giving a self-evaluation. I've taught you the self-evaluations are no evaluations at all. It's you want a God, a divine evaluation. And so the thing here is he wants them to uh, not resist the authorities because you resist the authority, you resist the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. And so we've, we've got two things here. And we have to explain, this is what we call a school zone. You have to explain this. So he says, whoever resists authority resists the ordinance of God. So he's speaking of, um, in an objective way, you are not to be anti-authority or anti-government. Okay, you're not to be anti-government. You, we are anti, I am anti-bad government, <laughs> but I'm not anti-government. All right, there, there's a fine line of distinction that we, we must walk. And so you, 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 and, you and I can say safely that we have had these things um, um, embedded in us by our own experiences and by the people we associate with. They have been driven into us, inculcated in some from form into us, uh, driven into us. And so we have thoughts that God didn't give us, and we have to get rid of those thoughts that God did not give us. So, so he says, when you resist the authority, um, uh, you bring judgment on yourself. So then you bring judgment on yourself from the authority and also judgment from God. They're both judgment from the, the, the earthly authorities, but also judgment from God. Now, and, and then before I, before I go to verse 3, I, I thought I'd be maybe verse 6 or 7 by now. But, uh, but before I go to verse, verse 3, there is a time to stand up for right, knowing that you will be punished. There is a time for you to stand up for what is right, knowing you will be punished. Paul did that. In his last days, when he was leaving Jerusalem, he was going. Uh, it was about, he was he was had desired to go to Rome, but uh, the, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Herodians got together and they they falsely accused him, and he stood for himself, and and then and and uh, I don't remember the 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 uh, governmental authority, but he said, if I've done something worthy of death, I don't mind dying. It's okay to resist civilly to resist civilly that which is evil and wrong. That is not what God is saying. He's not saying here, oh, you just have to take it and bake it until you make it or something like that, they say. <laughs> but, but verse 3, he goes on to say some things too that, that are, um, as Peter says, they're somewhat hard to understand. Peter didn't say they were somewhat. He said they are hard to understand. Verse 3 says, for rulers are not a terror to good works but to evil. Now, this was a, a man who was obviously killed by a, a wrongly dispositioned leader. But he says, rulers are not a terror to good works. 
Has anybody other than me ever had any kind of struggle with any of these scriptures? You know? Oh, none of you. Wow. I'm in a, I'm in a good place. I need to sit down and be taught here this morning. Yeah, I've had some issue with this. I, I said, help me to understand it. Because if I differ from the Word of God, I know I'm standing in the wrong place. The word can't be wrong. So he says, rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. And as I meditated over that, I thought, you know, that's right. Even a bad leader doesn't normally punish somebody for doing good. Normally. Yeah, now look here. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good. And you will have praise from the same. Now, the Word of God cannot be wrong, so if my position is different, that means I'm wrong. I must understand what God not only uh, is saying, I understand the words, but do I understand the meaning? Do I understand the meaning? So what he says again, I want to read it again, for rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of, of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject not only because of wrath, the wrath from the earthly ruler, but also for conscience' sake. And so Paul says, you must comport yourself, you must conduct yourself as a child of God, as a representative of God when you're dealing with government and government authorities. Now, I was talking to, this happened so, it's amazing how my life is these days. And we were in Kingsville and uh, ready maybe two weeks ago or about two weeks ago, a week, uh, two weeks ago, we were in Kingsville and ready for the Saturday morning Bible study. And a, a young man, a, a, a man, maybe a middle-aged man, he wasn't that young, young for me. But he, uh, he was there maybe on our porch of the, of the church and we were meeting in the fellowship hall. He came over, he was very spry and, you know, started to tell us about all the people he knew and the great men of God that he knew and the great women of God and was just dropping all these names, a lot of names. I mean, it didn't bother me at all. I didn't consider him a name dropper, just thought he was excited and we kept talking. Then he started to talk about a particular person who du during COVID stood up to the government. And this, this idea, this thought just came to my mind. He, he uh, was talking about how he stood up to the government and he refused to have, uh, wear masks in his church and the government wanted to control it. And I let him talk and I, we went on. And I said, you know, there is a place where you're supposed to obey government authorities. I wasn't thinking about Romans 13 at the time. I was just thinking about how my upbringing has been. I said, no, God doesn't want us to be anti-government. Government is of God. Can you imagine if we had no government with all these sinners in the world, 8 billion sinners? Can you imagine what it would be like? It would be horrible and chaotic. No, government is of God. Bad government is not what God wants, but government is of God. But when Paul talked, you had an emperor, and, they, and many of those guys were tyrannical. They just did whatever they wanted to do at, at whatever whim that came across them. They just, they would do something crazy. But anyway, this, you know, this guy said, I said, well, yes, but government is of God, and 
And there are times when government wants you to do something that may not be convenient for you, um, that you should still do it because the, God has given them that government, I mean, that authority. And I said, uh, now, uh, unjust things you can basically civilly resist. I said, that's, what, that's how, how it works. But you, you're going to face consequences. There are consequences. You can be thrown in jail. You could be punched or whatever. There are consequences. I said, and he went off. This guy went crazy and just started to be, become angry and agitated and because no, 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 no government can tell me what to do. And, and I thought, wow. So we have been not just affected, but infected with something that God doesn't want. Government is of God. Government is ordained of God. So you have to obey government. And some people think, some Christians think, well, I'll obey the government that I want subjectively. That's not what the scripture is saying, not, not subjectively. Now, if we can somehow lay hold of the objective truth, that is the truth that comes from God without going through my filters, just that's what he said and that's what it meant, then I can, I can walk that out. But you don't just get to decide apart from the body. That my hand, if my hand decides it wants to do something that my head doesn't tell it to do, then something's really wrong with the hand, right? Some signal or something. It's not receiving a signal. It, that's what happens when you, you know, you can't, you can't move your hand right. It's trembling. Why is my hand trembling? I don't want it to tremble. Why is it doing that? Or my leg is shaking. What is going on? I need to go see the doctor. So we need to see Dr. Jesus when we are out of alignment with Jesus, our head. <laughs> So, so Paul is, is speaking so powerfully uh, that verse 4, the, the leader is God's minister to you for good. If, but if you do evil, be afraid, for he, for he does not bear the sword in vain or the authority in vain, for he's God's minister um, and avenger to execute wrath on on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject. He, so Paul's saying, you must be subject. In verse 1, he says, let every soul be subject. Now he says, you must be subject. Not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. He says, if you want to have a conscience, a pure conscience before God, a good conscience, then, uh, then you have to act right. You have to do what is proper. You have to do what is proper. He says, because you don't want to, to do what's right just because you could be thrown in jail or beaten or uh, maltreated. You want to be right because you want nothing to be between, as it were, your soul and your Savior. Yeah, you want nothing between. And so, uh, you know, just a, another example. I, I, I oftentimes give you examples, personal examples. Um, I do that so that nobody thinks higher than me than they ought to. I do that. I do that purposely. But growing up in, in my home, I grew up in a Christian home, uh, Christian relatives around, everywhere. It's almost like they had binoculars checking on us kids, you know, <laughs> you know, making sure you were doing the right thing. And if you weren't, they would tell. They were tattletale. Tattletale. Tattellers. Did I say that correct? Okay. They, they would do that. They would always tell. But I grew up in a Christian home where you were supposed to do right because it was right. And, and our father would, would give you a lecture before he gave you the punishment. So sometimes the lecture was harder than the punishment, you know, telling you what he expected of his children. And so God expects proper 
conduct from his children, not that we are affected by the world. Let me give you another quick example. I, I remember one day saying something to my dad, our dad, I always say my, my, but our dad. I, I, I said something, I had done something, and he, he was appalled that I had done that, whatever it was, don't remember specifically, but he, and, and he was uh, giving me a, a, a good talking to. And I said, but daddy, that boy did it. He said, but that boy's not my son. Wow. And so when you see people comporting themselves in peculiar ways, in not so godly ways, then you're, they're not necessarily God's son. You're God's son. You're God's child. You're God's daughter. So he expects more of you. And I believe this is a, a, a great challenge for the people of God. I know it is a great challenge for the people of God. But I believe that before Jesus comes, we're going to get it right. Because when the Scripture says, come out from among them and be separate, and I will receive you, that, that's what God is saying, to come out from the world system, not the world itself. You have to die to come out of the world. But from the world system, the, the system of doing things, the way they do things, and the, the diabolical things that they they have intentionally inculcated into us. They have, in, in, uh, they have intentionally, it was a, it's an, in, uh, an intent of Satan to corrupt your minds. Yeah, that's what he wants to do. Corrupt your minds, corrupt your thinking, so that you think just like the world. Yeah. And so, and some of us have, I, I drank some of the Kool-Aid, all of us have had some Kool-Aid. Yeah, we did, all of us. All right? So, let's go on. So you want, you want to do what's right because it's right. Verse 6 says, For because of this you also pay taxes, for they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Uh, we, were, we were in India. Uh, a lot of examples. Of maybe I won't have them all in the next service. But we were in India once, and uh, we were driving, and we happened to be on a bad road, and we, we were trying to get to this ministry place. My wife and I were there, and uh, I'm not sure who else was there. And, and uh, we were driving, and boop, 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 boop. I mean, it was like we were falling all in the car. You know, your teeth hitting together. and uh, Yeah, I mean, it was terrible. It was terrible. And I'm just laughing. They were apologizing. I mean, you can't. And so my wife just shouted out, I love paying taxes. I love paying taxes. I love paying taxes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Paul says, Paul says, for because of this, you also pay taxes. For they are God's ministers attending continually continually to this very thing. Render therefore to all their due. Taxes to whom taxes are due. Customs to whom customs. Fear to whom fear. Honor to whom honor. It seems like to me even, even uh, over 1900 years ago, uh, Christians were concerned about too many taxes. So uh, let's look at Matthew chapter 22 uh, verses 20 through 21 and it will amplify uh, uh, chapter 13. It's going to amplify it better. It's in 22:20. That is Matthew 22:20. He says, and he said to them, whose image and inscription is this? You know, they, they had, the Pharisees, those guys, had tried to trick Jesus into doing something they could accuse him of. So they wanted to, him to defy Rome, right? You know, uh, and so uh, Jesus said here, whose uh, image? Uh, an inscription is this, because they were, is it all right, you know, to, to, do, to pay these taxes? But, uh, he says, 
whose, whose inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. And he said to them, render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. So, so this was very, very big. So he, say, he didn't say, no, defy Rome, don't pay the taxes. Then they could get him for, for sedition or something. He says, no, give Caesar what is Caesar, but give God what is God. And that's, that is what we would call the differentiation that we should make. That's, that's the difference there. You, you give, okay, the government wants the taxes. I'm going to cheat you. I'm going to give you what you want. I, I think they're too high. That's my subjective view, but I'll pay them. Because why? Because I'm not only um, representing myself, I'm representing God because I'm, I'm, a, I'm a part of the body of Christ. I'm a member of the body of Christ. And so you don't want to do that. So, and my conscience will bother me. Now, some of, of, of us may have a stronger, harder crust on the conscience, but mine has been scraped, man. I, I could even look at somebody wrong and I go, God, I'm sorry. I did. You know, can't sleep at night. You know, and yeah, are you there? Yeah, don't raise your hand. Because yeah. <laughs> there's some people who can't raise their hand, I'm sure. <laughs> you, know, so, you know, but are you there yet? You know, your conscience is just so sensitive. Sometimes, God, help me with this thing. I'm helping you, son. That's why it's sensitive. I'm helping you, son. Yeah, but when your conscience is tough and hard, no, no help for you. All right? Let's look at Titus 3.1. He says, remind them, Titus 3.1, Titus 3.1. He says, remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities. So he's telling Christians, be subject to rulers and authorities. Don't be so bombastic and you're telling the, the sheriff off, the, the, the chief of police off, the mayor off, and you're going down there ready, going for the county judge, just don't know where she is yet. You know, that kind of thing. You know, he says, no, remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities. Listen, to obey. To be ready for every good work. So there's a, a God-given opportunity there that you, you are not aware of. So you, you, want to, you want to be subject. Bring yourself orderly. Hupotasso is that word. Hupotasso. Bring yourself under in an orderly way. Be subject to. Wow. So he's telling Christians that you can say what you want to say, but you have to say it right. I've said to people before when they wanted to say something to me, I said, look, I don't mind you saying something, just say it right. Even when my children were growing up, I, I told them, I don't know if they remember, I told them so many times, you can say anything to your father, just say it right. Just say it right. You can say anything. You can tell me how you feel, but say it right. And God is saying the same thing to believers. Even in this time in which we live, you can say what you really believe God has given you to say, but say it right. Amen. You can tell the truth about governmental officials, but say it right. Say it with, uh, with the idea of redemption. Yeah. Yeah, not, not that I want to destroy you. I want to see, I, I, I want you to go to hell, you know, that kind of thing. No, you can't do that. All right? So, so let's look at 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. 1 Peter. These verses used to just really mess with me, and especially a young college student. I was never a radical, so you don't have to worry about that. I was on my way to be, and God stopped me. 1 Peter 2, verse 13. Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, not for your comfort, but for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. So you submit yourself for the Lord's sake. You take it for the Lord's sake. 
I, I, I don't know how you feel. I've taken a lot of things for the Lord's sake. Boy, because if, it, it, I didn't want to take it, but I took it for the Lord's sake. I've apologized to people who were wrong for the Lord's sake. I mean, really, you know, and I was a young preacher. And, and something was, there was something, a voice said, you need to get a piece of this one. I knew it wasn't there, so I guess I should have looked down. <laughs> Who is that? Why, no, you do it for the Lord's sake. You don't tell people all for your sake. You, you take it for the Lord's sake. And um, uh, let me just read uh, uh, Ecclesiastes 8.2 also gives support. See, the Bible is always it's harmonious. It's always showing uh, a harmony. It's not like Paul's going to say something and Peter disagrees with it. That's why I say to people oftentimes that um, when Jesus says, for example, nobody can take you from me. Nobody can snatch you out of my hands. Nobody, my father's greater than all. Nobody can snatch him. So you read something that Paul or Peter wrote and you say, uh-uh, see, this is, no. They can't negate Jesus. So you have to find out what they meant when they said that. So that's what you're searching for is meaning because the, the Bible is, is one harmonious group. So here in Ecclesiastes, Solomon, he says, I say, keep the king's commandment for the sake of your oath to God. Wow. Keep the king's commandment, what? For the sake of your oath to God. If you've, if you've never, if you've never um, been challenged enough to tears, you may not have gone through enough yet. I'm not trying to, I'm not, I don't wish it on you. I don't wish pain on you. But I'm saying that there, if you have never cried when you said, yes, Lord. I've said, yes, Lord, a lot of times with tears. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And, and this is where God has us, I believe, in this particular era. He has us in this place where, yes, Lord. I don't like what they're doing, but yes, Lord. I don't like what's going on, but yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Why? For for conscience sake, my conscience must be clear toward God. I know a number of years ago I talked to you about conscience and in the sense of your conscience is not going to side with you when you're in front of the, when you're at the bema, the judgment seat of Christ. The conscience is not going to side with you if you want to say something other than the truth. <laughs> not going to side with you. Right? The country's going to tell you everything. You ever taken a, if you had a little brother or something like that, or, or a little sister, you took them with you and you did something you shouldn't do, and take that little one, that little one that wanted to be with you, come on, one be with my big brother, and, and when it got back to dad, and they told everything. <laughs> That's, that's what your conscience will do. Your conscience is going to tell everything. Amen. Paul says it like this, my conscience bearing, bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit. So he says, uh, so, so the Holy Spirit now, he said, my conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has now got my conscience all wrapped up. Uh, what did Paul do? He did. What did Don Lavelle? My conscience is going to do that. Amen. Uh, let me give you. Let me give you, let me give you, let me give you one more. I've got one more in this section. First Peter chapter two. Uh, uh, let me, let me read uh, those verses again, but I want to expand on, I want to go to 16. It says, 
Okay, therefore submit yourself to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors, as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. Verse 15, for this is the will of God. For this is the will of God. Wow. That by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. This is the will of God. As free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. You're going to use your liberty to, to express Jesus, to express God. You're not, you're not going to use it as a cloak to do something wrong. You're a bondservant of God, a slave. And he says here, for this is commendable if because of conscience toward God, one endures grief, suffering wrongly. That's powerful. So, this is what God is expecting of you. Now, the next verse says, talks about neighbor being a, a good neighbor. So, if I'm going to obey governmental authorities and I'm going to, to have a, uh, a right attitude toward government and governmental officials, no matter how may, maybe I've been mistreated, I still have to have a right attitude toward them. Wow. Wow. I mean, this is challenging, right? Amen. Well, some of y'all is not challenging. <laughs> I mean, just, just, just two or three of us here. <laughs> so, so uh, verse 8 says, Owe no one anything, owe no one anything except to love one another. Wow. I owe you a debt of love, man. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. So, so the law was not able to do some things, but when you love, he says, that's what the law is all about. Yeah. It's showing you who you were. But now that you love, that's the fulfillment of it. Because, and we'll find out in a minute what that, why that is. Look at Matthew 22, uh, verses 36 through 40. Okay. Are we there? Matthew 22:36 says, "Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law?" <laughs> Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, "You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it." Now let's go back to the first one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind or with all of your being, it's saying. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And then the smart aleck says, well, who is my neighbor? He was trying to find a way out, trying to get some wiggle room. And Jesus gave the, the example of the Good Samaritan, remember, about the priest and the Levite. They, they did not take care of this man who had been wounded, but a Samaritan. And this man was called, it was a low-class, quote-unquote, in their minds, low-class, uh, as it were, dog of a person. Not, not worthy to, to have any association with you. This person that they were looking down on saw this man who was wounded, and he goes and helps him. He, he was a Samaritan, and, and no doubt he's helping this Jewish guy. And he's taking him, he puts him on his, on his, his donkey, takes him to a, a, an innkeeper, and he, cl he cleanses his wounds. He says, look, man, he says, can we help this guy? He said, look, here's some money. He said, 
and uh, take this, and when I come back through, if it costs more, I'll, I'll pay it. Jesus said, wow. So that's this guy who is despised by the quote-unquote ruling uh, elite now does this amazing thing. So Jesus says, now who was neighbor? You know, sometimes, sometimes, sometimes when you are in a bad situation, uh, and you maybe are griping about your bad situation and nobody understands, nobody's treating you right. It may be God preparing you for something great. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Preparing you for something great. And here you are griping about feel-good stuff, you know? Come on, I, I can tell you this. Everything that feels good isn't good. Let's walk it out. Let's walk it out. And then, of course, John, uh, I'll just go quickly. John 13, 34 says, Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you. He said, I'm going to add a commandment, that you love one another as I've loved you, that you also love one another. So love, love, love. All right? Let's look at um, verse 9. Verse 9. It says, for the commandments you shall not. Now, this is what, what Paul is, is, is writing to the Roman Christians. For the commandments... You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not bear uh, false witness. You shall not covet, you know, desiring something. Bearing false witness is just don't lie, right? Um, and uh, committing adultery is being faithful to your, your husband, your wife. Uh, you shall not murder. Don't, don't kill people. Steal, I mean, murder them. It's a difference between killing and murdering, but we won't, don't have time. Don't steal. Don't lie. Don't desire what's not yours. And if there's any other commandment, are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. It doesn't matter whether you live in the Philippines or Ghana or, uh, or Croatia or America. You're my neighbor. Amen. We all live in the earth neighborhood. Amen. So what he says, you shall love your neighbors yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. So love does no harm to a neighbor. And uh, let's look at verse 11. I think I can make it. And, and do this, knowing the time that now it is high time to wake out of sleep. And so Paul is writing and saying, listen, it's time for you guys to do something positive here. I believe that it's time for us to wake out of sleep because I believe the coming of the Lord is very near. You say, well, they've been saying that since I was a child. Well, they've been saying it since I was a child, too. That's why I know it's nearer than it was then. <laughs> <laughs> he says here, and do this, knowing the time that now it is high time, high time, the right time, to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent. And this is what he's saying. The daylight is coming. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, 
Let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Don't give your flesh any kind of uh, uh, buy, any, any kind of a... Uh, of, uh, of, uh, uh, opportunity. Somebody's over whispering at me, and I, and I got this here. Okay, some, don't give the flesh any opportunity to display itself. Thank you. Don't give it a buy. Don't, don't, don't give it a pass. Okay, now, this is what he says in, uh, in verse 15. See then that you walk. Hold on. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, circumspectly, properly, but knowing what's around you, redeeming the time. Why? Because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit but be filled with the Spirit. There are many Christians who are not drunk with the wine that's in a bottle, but are severely intoxicated with the wine of the world. Many Christians. They are so drunk that they don't know what time it is. That's what Paul is saying. They don't even know the hour in which we live. So, I want to just, this is basically my message for today, but thank you for being with me. And I trust that we've said something that helps you a little bit and helps you walk out. We'll be back in a minute.